Hey, want to jump in here and just bring back up episode 250, Toys for Tots campaign put together by Seller Labs. It is such a great opportunity. I was with the seller on Friday. Uh, their team is working on it. I'm very, very excited. This is a chance for you to use the skills that you personally have developed. You've got sourcing muscles. Not many other people have it. And this is a chance where we can take and use our skills to help those less fortunate. All the information's on episode 250. Such a great cause. Give back, give back, give back this time of year. Thanks. Hope your Q4 is going good. It's a great time to be selling and sell a lot. Watch your repricers. I just got whacked on one, lost $15 a unit. I didn't lose. I'd have lost in profit because I should have blocked one. Wasn't paying attention, so please do. Let me tell you about a couple sponsors. Um, you know, Scope from Seller Labs. If you're not using it to even just to take your wholesale accounts, of course you got to use it for private label, right? You need to understand the keyword. You want to understand a keyword, go look at your competitors, get their keywords, and then use them. That's smart business, right? Because they already have proven that proof of concept. But take the same approach to your wholesale accounts. Make sure that those keywords are in there. If not, upload those changes. Many times you can't, but many times you can't. Take advantage. Scope from Seller Labs. Go to sellerlabs.com slash scope. Use the code word momentum. Save a few bucks. Get a few keywords. Get your listings found. Got to find that keyword and scope will be the product that will help you there. Solutions for e-commerce. Karen Locker, you know, again, you hear me talk about her because she is my account manager. She's been doing a great job. Again, I had some stranded listings and I noticed them down there on the bottom right-hand corner. They're gone. I look back and they're gone and I see stuff submitted. I see stuff returned. It's such a great process because I don't have to pay attention to that. I can pay attention to the other parts of our business. Solutions for e-commerce slash momentum will save you 50 bucks. Lowest price she offers and you still get the inventory health report. Take a look at it. Get set up for 2018 now. Tell Karen I sent you. When you're thinking about um, Q4 lists and I hope you don't use them just Q4. I hope you use them all year long. Again, you want to learn how to fish, right? And so the best thing to do when you're buying a list is look at what they're doing and how they're doing it and then figure that out on your own. That's the approach that Gay Lisby uses in her million-dollar arbitrage list. It is closed for the rest of this year. However, I have asked them and they have said they would do it. If there's an opening, they will pull from the wait list. Okay, so I have the link out on my uh, site on this episode that'll have a, uh, a link that'll take you right onto the wait list. So get on the wait list if there's something that you're interested. Remember, she's going to give you a seven-day free trial, so there's nothing to lose. But then once you get in there, take advantage. Learn how to fish, right? Sharpen your tool, you know, sharpen your skills, I guess is the right phrase I should use. Okay, so again, I have that link out on this episode, so jump out there and get on that list. You know, GoDaddy and uh, Grasshopper are both national sponsors of the show. I'm very fortunate. Um, I have a third one coming on in February. I'm very excited about that. But GoDaddy, I use them uh, just with somebody who had a great idea for an, uh, for a domain, and I'm like, use my link, save 30%. 30%. Yes, they pay me. We all know that. However, 30% is real. I use it myself because I want to save the 30%. So it's trygodaddy.com slash momentum right? Try godaddy.com slash momentum and you're going to save 30%. Grasshopper's the same deal. Try grasshopper.com slash momentum and you're going to save 50 bucks. Um, I saw somebody else just signed up for it. The service makes you 
a professional. All of a sudden, your business has a phone number, has a vanity phone number. You can kind of create your own one if it's available. But you don't need a second phone. And I think that's the big thing. It's not Google Voice, which is choppy. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. This is professional stuff. Press 1 for customer service. Press 2 for my Amazon account manager, which would go to Karen's team. I mean, this is a great opportunity. So it's trygrasshopper.com slash momentum. Save 50 bucks. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 260, Frankie Wells. We'll get ready to be inspired because uh, I was really inspired talking with Frankie. I knew he was into a whole bunch of things. However, I had no clue um, the level of detail, the, the focus, the intensity that he approaches this business with. And there's no doubt that's the reason he's having so much success. I love the way he talks about his family. I love the way he, he's clear about what are absolutes in his lives. And uh, I just think that this is such a smart way to run your business. Don't be chasing something you don't necessarily need at the cost of something else. And I think Frankie's a really good example of that. Let's get into the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest. He is, uh, he is well known, I think. Um, but he lays low. So it's, it's funny because everybody knows him yet. He lays low. He's real laid back, real quiet. Frankie Wells. Welcome Frankie. Thanks for having me, Stephen. It's great to be here. It, you really are well known. Everybody knows you. Um, I don't know uh, how you get around so much. Um, is that intentional? Like we were, where were we last together? Was it New York? We were in New York for something. Yep, at the Amazon, um, the Boost. The Boost. Conference. Yeah, yeah. And and do you make it a point to get to a lot of those kind of events? Um, I try to. You know, I'm a family man, so uh, my time is limited. How much I could get away, uh, but when I can, you know, I love to go. I love to network. And uh, I love to just be around all the face, uh, the Amazon people and the Facebook people since, uh, you know, it could be very, you know, solitary working alone at the computer all day. So to get to be face to face with people is great. You know, we will get to that part of the story where Frankie used to work with a bunch of people and he doesn't anymore. But that's a choice that he made. And I, and in the pre-interview, we talked about um, that I appreciate it because I, I think it's smart that you've thought through this. So we'll get to all that. All right, let's go back, though. So you, uh, I, you know, when I read your bio, you were in internet marketing, but what were you, what were you going to do in high school? I mean, did you, were computers a, a big part of your life? You know, in high school and as a kid, I was always trying to make money somehow. You know, I always had that entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit, um, but I didn't really know where I was going, you know, but I knew I wanted to kind of own my own business, even at a young age. Um, but you know, my parents, um, they were immigrants from Italy, you know, right off the boat. And, um, you know, the American dream for them was to send me to college. So that would be a big really... deal in, the, in your world, <laughs> going to college for your family. That's a big deal. Yep. So, you know, I was the youngest of three and, you know, my siblings went and I went and graduated and, you know, I learned a ton. I was never against it. Um, I just knew I never really wanted to have a nine to five job. What'd you go to school for? So I went for marketing and design. Okay. So design, what does that mean? Tell me, is that clothing? Is that art? Is it? It was more um, digital based. You know, oh, this was uh, cool. 
late nineties, early two thousands. So the web was there, you know, the dot com boom and bust, but it uh, it was still, you know, in its infancy in terms of all the um the marketing abilities that we've have now today. Huh. So so you have an art eye. Is that fair? Yes, I uh, if if I didn't have to rely on making money, I uh, I love design and I love art and I love creating, uh, but I don't like to do it for a paycheck. So, okay, because uh, it, it loses something then, doesn't it? Yep, absolutely. And mm-hmm. uh, and to please other people is really difficult when it comes to uh, to art. You know, it's very subjective, but that's what's beautiful about private label. I um I get to be the uh, the head of what I want to do and put out the products I really want, and um, my customers seem to love everything I do. So. Does it it's, feel uh, like art? Great. Does that feel like art to you? Yeah, in some ways, you know, it's it's the whole process of creation, you know, from I love every little nut and bolt from the start to the end of it. And, um, you know, I mentioned I, I always had that entrepreneurial spirit. So I'm not afraid to get in the ditch and, and dig and do a task that I probably shouldn't even be doing, you know, if it's kind of lower level, but I'm just not afraid to do any of it. And uh, I think, you know, having that mentality helps me get ahead in the end. Hmm. I, I think um, being now I, I was surprised at how old you are. You probably hear that often because uh, you look like you're 21 going maybe 22. <laughs> I'll take that as a huge compliment. You do hear that often, though, correct? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I you do. do. Um, but I was I was surprised at how long you've kind of been in this Internet world. I mean, when you think about it, you're an old dude. I mean, compared yeah. to most people, I mean, they're, you know, think about the people coming in this business, you know, they're, oh, I just started, but you're an old dude. You've been, you've been messing with the internet now for quite a long time. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've gone through my paces. I've, uh, the beauty is I've, I've learned in every stage, you know, from the earliest days of, you know, just being a consultant, um, you know, I was doing search engine optimization, you know, before it was called that I, um, was doing pay-per-click marketing before Google AdWords even existed. Um, and I've just made money and, and had fun developing, you know, throughout all those phases of software, you know, Google AdSense, affiliate marketing. I mean, I've, I flipped domains, I've done lead gen sites. I'm now doing, you know, FBA. I've been an eBay seller since, uh, probably 1999. Um, I'm dabbling in click funnels now. I mean, I'm just all over the place. (laughs) Have you messed with merch? Yep. I, I have an account, you know, I have designs that sell, you know, every day, every week I see the commissions, but it's low on my priority list now. But, and it's um, surprising but because you're an artist. I mean, I, I would have thought, I mean, when I looked at your stuff, I was thinking, oh, he's going to tell me he's, he's knee deep in, um, in uh, merch just because you have that creative side. Yep. Well, I usually do my own design, so I'm not a kind of guy who's, you know, oh. farming it out, but uh, design takes time and, uh, the time I put towards a new private label product makes me a lot more money than a shirt would. So, uh, I- <laughs> does it give you the same reward though? I mean, does it give you that same, I mean, cause isn't art, I mean, finishing it, right. It's the, it's the pain and the struggle of coming up with it and getting it through. But then when you finish it, it's like you left it all on the table. Frankie is private label the same for you like that. I get the vibe it is. It is in a lot of ways, you know, it's, I guess it's about creating as a whole. So, um, you know, art is kind of, it's easy, it's lax. I could just do it and, and be really creative where, you know, when I'm creating a product, I do lots of, you know, sophisticated market analysis, competitive analysis, you know, I'm putting numbers together. So it's, uh, it's creative. It's just more structured and, and not as uh, bubbly and fun, but it, um, the process is still great, you know, start to finish. 
do you enjoy the private label side more than the just the standard FBA? Yep, I do. I um, I my experience is mostly private label. You know, I've dabbled with my RA and. So you couple- started right in private label. I started with private label. And then I, I backtracked and I went to RA. Actually, I, I wanted to learn the interface and, and everything better, you know, the whole process of shipping. And uh, so RA really taught me that. And, um, and then I went back to um, a little wholesale, but private label has been about 90 plus percent of my business. You know, Do you still time. sell the first private label product you have? Do you still sell it? I don't anymore. It was, uh, I was an, a new guy. So go ahead. Tell know. us what it was. Tell me it was a silicone glove. Come on, admit it. You had <laughs> you had claws or something, right? Well, it was uh, it was it was pretty uh, it was pretty popular, and a lot of people were selling. And unfortunately, the the original seller didn't have a trademark or any type of protection. He was a uh, a guy that just put a product out, and it was a fabulous product, but the quality was horrible. But the concept was top notch. So. Uh, I sent it out to China. I found a couple of manufacturers. I changed it. I tweaked it. You know, made a higher count in the in the um, package. I changed the design of it. I made it more reliable. And um, and eventually, this guy went on Kickstarter and uh, raised over a million dollars in Uh-oh. under 24 hours. And uh, the first thing he did was the lawyers were knocking on his door to represent him. So uh, so it was kind of a crash and burn in that sense. I had my fun. I made a lot of money. I learned a lot and uh, I had to get out. What what did you learn not to do there? Because I, I, you hear a lot of people tell you, you know, hey, here's what I learned. And, I, you know, I learned, you know, blah, 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 blah. But what did you learn that are like, no way, don't do that again? Well, I guess with that scenario, it was um, the guy didn't have trademark protection. Okay. But mm-hmm. I knew it was going to come. So, you know, maybe in hindsight, I would have went to him and, and tried to help him grow the brand and or oh. buy licensing to it, you know, early on before he did anything. So I'd have a major stake in it now. Instead, you know, the lawyers took over and now uh, excluded you. That. Right. So yep. so by going to I mean, Andy tells a story. Um, oh, my God. I forget how many years ago this was. One of his products was a couple of years ago. And th- this is the true story. Literally, I'm at a yard sale early in the morning. And it was it's a it's a special one. And I went because I was looking for bunk beds for my grandkids. Anyway, I'm there. He calls me. It's like seven o'clock in the morning. He's like, Steve, blah, blah, blah. And he tell I think he's told the story publicly even. Um, he got you know notified from a lawyer. He was getting sued over this product and blah blah blah. And this woman you know said he in, infringed. Turns out he didn't. But I remember that moment when his world was like stopped and crashing. However, he uh, he got a letter from the attorney. He actually called and spoke to the person who invented it, and she said, "No, you're right. You're not infringing." And it all was undone, but because he took a proactive approach to it. Um, and I remember that. And I'm like, well, everybody else would have ran away and just taken that letter and just went away. And so there is a lesson there. Um, I like what you're saying. It's just to go right in and see if you can make a deal early on. Hmm. Have, yep. you, have you been able to do that? Have you, or is that just something you keep an eye out for? If it starts heading that way, you're going in. Yeah. You know, if I... Um... I, I have one other product that I was able to kind of open an opportunity like that, which has been more of a partnership with the original owner. And um, it's been nice because I haven't had to deal with any of the legal side, trademark side. Um, it's more of a partnership. I'm helping him sell. I kind of have not rights to it, but I'm 
basically representing the product and the Amazon space. And he's not interested in any part of that. So it's allowing me win, to win. just sell. Win-win. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, right. You don't have to uh, worry about that. Now you have to keep others at bay then, I take it. Yep. I have to kind of help with that. And, um, you know, it's, it gets a little sticky where, um, you know, people want to come in and maybe they have um, a, a benefit to bring to the table. So trying to help mm -hmm. him navigate while I'm not fully losing control, but being fair about it. Oh, that's interesting. So let's just say it's uh, um, trying to think of what's looking at my desk. Um, uh, it's a tape dispenser and somebody can bring this amazing tape into the dispenser. You wouldn't necessarily say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm in charge. I'm selling that. You would say, hey, you know, this might add some value. Therefore, you know, let's bring it in. Is that kind of the way it goes? Yep. You know, or if I see them just doing something, you know, they're non-optimized or they're selling a lot, but they could be doing better. And I see the, the value and potentially helping them and, you know, benefiting myself, you know, nice. or maybe they're or they're not on FBA yet, but they're selling great on eBay, something like that. So is that one of the methods that you – let's use the secret sauce, Frankie. Come on, tell us. You're out there uh, uh, looking, and if you see an opportunity like that, because you have acquired a nice set of skills, right? You have proof of concept. You have somebody somebody can talk to, which I think is a huge opportunity right there. The fact that you could say, hey, go talk to Bob, who I've done this with. Here's his reference, and he can tell you what we've been able to do. Those are all very strong things. So is that is that kind of the approach that you also have in your hip pocket, or is that the only approach you take? No, it's it's absolutely one of them, and it's okay. uh, it, it's something I'd love to do even more of. But um, you know, I do a lot of things, and I'm I'm involved in a lot, so I'm constantly putting my blinders on. Uh, but finding opportunity is is just really easy to do once you've done it over and over and over. Then it yeah. just becomes time. So you don't have this, oh my God, there's nothing, oh my God, the world's ending, Amazon's shutting me down, this is terrible. You have a, whoa, there's too much opportunity, I've got to keep my blinders on because I'm going to get distracted and go that way. Absolutely. And, um, and you know, back to where you mentioned um, the warehouse and stuff, uh, that was kind of a part of the goal of, you know, getting rid of my own employees and warehouse and moving towards a more automated system to give myself more time to spend on doing what I like, which is finding a new product, creating a launching versus, you know, putting labels on and, um, and packaging things. Yeah. Let's explain that whole thing because, you know, one of the cool things you did was say, you know, this isn't my lane or this is not what I enjoy. Not that you couldn't do it. Um, was it the employee part? Was it the mundane? Was it the crisis mode? Was it just the monotony? What part of it didn't you enjoy? Yeah, it's, it's probably a little bit of all of them. You know, in the beginning, I, I you know, love staying up late labeling and packing. I mean, it was so exciting and watching the money come in, you know. Um, you know that gets me, old. Yeah. You know, me and my wife, we, uh, we have a three-year-old and five-year-old daughter. And, um, you know, it would be midnight and we're still packing away. And, you know, we're bright and early with them. So, uh, so you know, I knew I, I have to automate this. It can't last this way forever, you know, and, um, and then I got my own space and, um, I had employees from a different business. So it was kind of easy to integrate in the Amazon side and uh, it was going good. But, you know, if you've ever managed people, you know, mm. it's, it's a task in itself to, you know, deal with who could come, who can't, what their schedule is, um, you know, keeping them busy, you know, if, depending what type of work you have coming in and uh, it's just a job in its own, you know, and it takes That's away responsibility. 
Yep. I mean, to me, that that's the thing that turns me off is the responsibility. Um, their lives have an impact on yours, right? Because like you said, whether they're coming in or not, well, if their kid's sick, I mean, how is that? That's not fair, right? I mean, it's not reasonable. That part is bad enough. But the responsibility of knowing that you have to keep them going, that you have to source or whatever it is, in your case, manufacturer, um, that's a lot of responsibility. Yep, it absolutely is. And, uh, you know, like you were saying, if one person, you know, didn't show, you know, there'd be many a times where I'd say, uh, you know, I don't want to work the employees that did show up to death. So, you know, I'd go right beside them and, and pack away so they didn't have to work till all hours of the night, you know, so just constantly picking up the slack, basically. Was there a line in the sand that got crossed where you said, okay, this is it? I mean, because you probably were toying with everyone. Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. Because I think that happens to a lot of people. Like, should I have my own? Should I not? Or, or you know, when do you move up? You know, like we're moving up in size of warehouse right now. And we needed the additional space. But it took a long time. And we dragged our feet, right, from a cost point of view, waiting and waiting until there was a tipping point for us. Was there something in your world that happened or a line that just said, hmm, it's time to, to move on? It's run its course. Yep. And, and like you said, it's, it's kind of a numbers game. So, you know, I what I really did was I did all my numbers, you know, from rent, from employees, from supplies, insurance, you know, all the details. And um, I just had the random idea, you know, what if someone else was doing all this for me? And um, I know there's a lot of FBA, you know, based warehouses, but, you know, I do some high volume with certain product and it really adds up if you're, you know, paying a dollar a unit. Uh, but, you know, when you have your employees, it's lower. So um, so what I did was actually found just general, you know, fulfillment warehouses. They, Which uh, there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them. Yep. And they don't know anything about Amazon. And, and I actually wanted it that way hmm. um, for a couple of reasons. Um, the first reason was I could kind of teach them how I think I want it to be done and the way I've been doing it. It's been working oh, great. Interesting. And, um, and you know, uh, so that was like... Um, you know, the first step, you know, saying, okay, imagine the free time if I didn't have to maintain people myself. And, um, and then, you know, I put a couple of our jobs we were doing out to bid and, you know, I already knew how long it would take to package a thousand units or whatever it was. And, um, I, I was really surprised at the amount that they came back with, you know, when I did the math, it was maybe only a few pennies more, or if, you know, 10 cents, 20 cents more than managing all of it myself. And, um, it wow. really became a no brainer. Yeah, I mean, that, that's huge because the responsibility, again, when somebody calls off from there, you don't care, right? I mean, yep. it, it, I mean, I, you know, you feel bad for them or whatever, but that's not your issue. That's their issue to figure out. And hmm. so I, I, that's the first time I've heard somebody talk about training um, their own company the way they want to. What do you think makes, uh, and maybe it's your product specific, right? Is there a lot of assembly in your products that you bring in? Yep. Some of them are, assemb you know, require okay. assembly. Some okay. just require, you know, um, inspection. I'm, I'm really strict on my quality that goes to Amazon. So um, even if it's come from China, everything pit stops at one of my warehouses and is rechecked, even though I use inspection services. Um, you know, things get beat up, you know, while they're in, in transit from China to the U.S. So, um, you know, some product I've manufactured and have it packaged here all sorts of scenarios, but just allows me like, you know, high end control and the ability to um, just make sure I'm giving my customer the very best product possible. And 
using a non-FBA fulfillment center probably gives you more opportunities to do different unusual things because they're designed for it, whether it be bagging. I was thinking of a bagging. Uh, I've seen some of these fulfillment where there's one not far from here, massive. I think they have 28 brands or companies that they handle. And I mean, it's crazy what they I buy from them. But I mean, when I look <laughs> at the other products they handle, I'm always like, wow, that's in this warehouse too. Anyway, but they have uh, packaging uh, equipment and stuff like that, that you would be like, whoa, that would be cool to have. But nobody else has it because it's machines, you know, and they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're done for volume, like you described. So has that been another benefit that you found? Yeah, it's, it's been great. You know, like, um, for example, in the packaging, like you were mentioning, you know, um, like one of my products I was having assembled in China and it had maybe 15 components and, you know, they would forget one here or there. And it was, it was hard to catch without opening the products in the USA. So, um, instead I have all the components made in China, they come to America and then they're assembled, you know, there's people here quality checking and, and then they have a shrink wrap tunnel and, it, everything's really quick and automated, but I have that extra level of um, control being here in the USA. And so, I mean, logically, and everybody's going to be like, duh, Steve, of course, but uh, let's say it, um, you can get a better price then if it's not assembled, because they're going to charge you in China. I mean, obviously, it might be a little more expensive here, but if you're opening it up and doing the same thing, it's, you know, it's not. But you get a better price then from China by saying, hey, don't polybag or don't do this, don't do that. We'll do that here. And then therefore, then you have that additional cost here, which you were probably spending anyway if you had to inspect. Have you looked at what percentage of um, reduction in quality complaints, um, non, you know, lack of quality that you have uh, received since you started doing this? I mean, to be honest, I'm, I'm really lonely. I, I get almost no support tickets anymore. And uh, I used to like actually answering them sometimes. And I get so few now, it's, uh, it's just ridiculous. By taking control of that. Yep. By basically just bringing it, you know, closer to home and, uh, and, and, you know, paying a little bit more to make sure the quality was there. So let's give some advice to somebody, cause I think this is a pro pro, a, a, a high level pro tip, somebody who's got a product, what should they be looking for? What's, uh, what, what would be the trigger for you that said, Hey, you know, I'm at, you know, two, I get 2% returns anyway, right. A normal thing. Um, and so I started seeing three or four, I mean, I get it's math, right? I mean, I guess it comes down to math, but what was it that somebody should be saying, Hey, wait a second, if I'm getting this level of quality complaints, um, this is probably worth me bringing and taking a hard look at it. Yeah. You know, anything above the usual, you know, uh, depending what your volume is, um, you know, if it's, you know, 1%, 2%, 3%, you know, you have to expect that. But if you see the same complaint over and over, Mm. that probably means something is there. And, uh, and we all know people, will complain just to get free shipping sometimes, but true complaints are usually wordy and they really let you you filter them out. Right. Those other ones. Yeah. You got what's left. Have you, um, does it give you a marketing opportunity? The fact that you're assembling it in the U S do you, is there anything that you're able to say that you do here that helps make more sales? I mean, you know, I do say made in the USA in my products, and it's actually one of my bullet points. Oh, very um, cool. Okay. You know, so if that's important to people, then you get to say that. Um, do you Are you able to warranty a product because you know the quality is there and then therefore collect customer information inside of time terms of service, not going outside of it? Are you able to do anything like that? 
you know, I try. It's uh, it's always a time factor of, you know, I'm okay. always trying to get better on those processes. But I do. We have some type of inserts or sign up for a coupon or sign up for a warranty and uh, and just make the customer feel comfortable, you know, with the how many, you know, given to the offer, you know, is uh, is measurable. But um, um, it's something I'm always striving to do better. But it definitely allows me to do it with more confidence because I know that I'm putting the best of the best out there. Yeah, no, that's that's perfect. Uh, makes perfect sense. I I know someone who went from fifteen percent um, returns or complaints to less than one percent. Wow. Now you want to talk about mega amounts of dollars? I mean, that's an enormous amount of money. But exactly doing the same thing, bringing everything into the U.S., opening up the package, doing some couple little tweaks and changes, and putting it back in a package. It's very inefficient. However, you can't argue with that. I mean, that's a massive. I mean, you want to fix the problem. But until then, you want to take control of your situation. You can control what comes in the U.S., right? I mean, what, but what leaves your warehouses, you can control that, right, Frankie? Absolutely. Hmm. How hard is it to take and train a fulfillment center to learn how to be to handle your products the way you want? Um, and can you walk us through that, what, what you did? Sure. So, you know, the first job I put out to bid and, you know, it included, you know, let's say there was 15 components, you know, it would say – you know, um, five of these components are the same. So you have to grab X amount. Um, and what I did was actually mailed them a complete assembled package of what the product was. So they could take a look at it, you know, touch the components, think about how they're going to set the tables up or machinery. Um, so that was the first step, you know, getting in touch, asking if they'll do custom work like that. They're willing, um, and then showing them the product. Um, and then once I did that, it was, uh, it was pretty easy from there. You know, I, I made them a guideline. So, um, mm. so I, I provide them boxes. So I never have to worry about boxes being too small. So they're your big. specific box. Yep. Are they custom printed? Um, well, the product box is yes, but I, I guess I'm thinking even beyond like either a Home Depot box or a uh, U-Haul okay. box or okay. just a, a cardboard box. Um, so I could control that. I, you know, let them know the 50 pound range. You know, I keep everything I do like at 48 pounds or less just to make sure I don't get anybody. So, at so I don't want to pause you. I, I, I am going to pause you there. I'm sorry to interrupt, sure. but it's, uh, it makes sense what you're saying. So you gave them the box for the outer container because you know how many of these components are going to fit in to make it to the 48 pounds. Kind of, you're taking away a lot of chance for error there also. Yep, exactly. So, you know, it's Smart. like, Final product is this dimension in this box, and we could fit, you know, 42 in that box, which is going to equal 48 pounds. Genius, uh, dude. Dude, that's it, so smart. I mean, it, it's otherwise you're, again, just letting somebody who might not care about the day. They're, they're having a fight with their spouse and whatever, and they came into work and not giving a hoot, and you get dinged. Your business is in their hands, right? And so by being that uh, proactive, again, oh, that's so good. Oh, go ahead. Keep going. And, and what's kind of crazy now is, um, you know, they have just boxes packed on the shelves. So let's say there's, you know, 42 to 48 pounds to this dimension box. So I just call them and say, hey, I need, you know, 12 boxes of product number one to go out. And I already know the weight, the quantity, the size of the box. I print the labels, I email them. And that's the, the pretty much the involvement to get boxes out. I just call and them, let- tell them what I want. Let's pause there a second. So they already have your UPC, or if it's your product, you don't have to have any UPC. You would have your ASIN, whatever you have. You have it labeled the way it needs to be labeled already. They seal it in a box. It's sitting on a shelf. In in fairness, you paid some of the uh, work in progress costs, right? Because you had to pay them to process that so far. Yep. 
Yep, okay. absolutely. So they, they process it all and they charge me, you know, like a per unit fee. And then it sits in the warehouse. And then I pay like a long-term storage fee, which is right. much, much, much less than Amazon's fees. So, um, and then, but they, then just, they just pull a box off, slap a label on it and it goes. Yep. So it's, you know, extremely efficient. It's cheap for them to do. And all the hard work's done and the quality is high. Well, the other smart move here is that you can turn your inventory, you can wait that just-in-time inventory pretty close. If you know, I mean, obviously now this quarter it's a little harder, but generally speaking, if it if it's going from wherever your, your place is to, uh, let's say, Hazleton is a good example, right? You know what it's going to, generally, it takes four days to get there. So you could kind of plan your inventory levels, planning with a little buffer in there, and you don't have the processing time. It's literally slap a label on it, get it out that day. So that's a huge competitive advantage. Yep, absolutely. I, um, you know, as, as good as you want to be, you know, being out of stock is kind of something that goes with the territory because, you know, you never want to go too deep or too little. Um, but I'm probably, you know, out of stock 20% in comparison to what I was, you know, so I'm, I'm hardly ever out of stock ever anymore, basically. Do you, let's be honest here. Do you think running a warehouse and having employees and all the responsibilities that go allow along with that allowed you to work on the business like you're describing? Not nearly as much, you know, when I was managing everybody else. You didn't get to work on the I mean, what you're describing is what people can do to take a really good uh, business and make it a great business, right? That 10%, they always talk about good to great, right? It's only 10%, the mm-hmm. difference. That 10% is huge, right? Because you, you don't have to sell more items if there's more profit, right? Yep. I mean, if you could squeeze more profit out, you get, I mean, without selling more items, that's nirvana. I mean, that's the best thing you can do. Absolutely. It, mm, oh, I love it. Dude, it's smart. I tell you, this guy's smart. Okay, so so a fulfillment company. So how did you find a fulfillment company? Was this little tool called Google or was it? Was there a different way? Yep, it was Google and it was Thomas Net. Okay. So, right. And manufacturers, uh, you can do U.S. manufacturers on Thomas Net. And so that'll help you. Okay. Wow. Dude, I love it. Okay. So you're, you're utilizing the other thing that I think Frankie's doing very, very well. Um, and it, it's not a criticism of anybody else. And it's not a criticism, criticism of a prep center. I don't mean it this way. The fact that you spread them out, talk us through why you use different fulfillment centers. So, you know, from an East Coast standpoint, I have, you know, one local So if I have a product that, you know, I'm really, really picky about the quality, I could literally go there and look at it and see the production. Um, But then, you know, I have one that's lower down on the East Coast. And then I have one on the West Coast I use sometimes depending if the product is coming from China or not. And, um, and, you know, at any given point, one of these warehouses can now say, hey, I don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I would be dead in the water. And I, I actually kind of experienced that a little bit with one of them at one point. They, um, out of nowhere, they back charged me six months for incoming boxes. And, um, it was, it was like a, a, you know, it was, a you know, a six figure, actually it was, let me think it was, uh, it was six figures worth. I mean, I bring in a lot, a lot of boxes and they send me an invoice and, uh, my jaw dropped to the ground and, um, you know, I'm like, we never talked about this incoming fee. And, um, you know, it was a kind of a change of a, a hands with the account and somebody thought they should be charging for incoming. Um, when in reality, we never talked about that. And that really would have changed the game and the cost per unit. And uh, I was able to reach an agreement with them where we're not charging incoming fees any longer. Um, but it was a really good scare because um, everything I built in terms of relationship and, and automation 
almost came crashing down. Um, so after everything was fixed and good, I made it a point to find, you know, warehouse number two mm. as a backup and then warehouse number three as a backup as well. Do you have, um, so like when you put things out for a uh, request for, for bid, like an RFP, do you have, Hey, these are the, you know, the understanding these deliverables or whatever terminology you use now, especially given that you had that scare, has that been developed over time? Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm more, you know, in tune to think about potential, like, you know, back charges or small charges or little charges that get squeezed in. So, you know, I, I really want like a final out the door cost and storage costs when I'm doing things. And um, I usually have them actually price me in tiers as well. You know, let's say 1000 nice. units, 5000, 10,000. So then I could determine if it makes sense to pack them all and leave them on the shelves or do them incrementally. Because hmm. that matters too. Yep. You know, what, what drives you now? So, you know, you've, you've, you've hit your, uh, the official mega seller. You have downsized to it's just you and is it one other person working in the business with you? Yep, pretty much two other people. But, oh, um, two other people. So I, there's three of you. Yep, but I have other businesses, so they, they only work on FBA when needed. Okay. So it's, uh, it's very low, low volume okay. for them. So, so what still drives you? I mean, you've had enormous success. You've got a, a great young family. You've got, you kind of have the world uh, at your feet there, Frankie. What still drives you to be successful? You know, I, I guess it's just a passion to, uh, to create and grow and, and succeed and you know, I've had it since I was young and, uh, it's like a fire, you know, it's, um, I wake up every morning excited and, uh, still, you know, I love Mondays and I don't like Fridays. <laughs> really? Still. Because you still do. I mean, that, that says something. How about this? When I think about habits, right? I always ask and everybody's asking, Hey, tell us some habits that you do, Frankie, you know, what time to get up and all the rest of it. What are some habits that are just absolutes for you? No matter what, this happens. So it's, you know, I've been doing what I do for quite a while. And, um, you know, at first I was young doing it and, um, you know, with all the freedom, you're still in the world, young. <laughs> it's all relative, you. dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess the thing that I has really driven me and, um, it, it's a system that if I fall off, you know, everything around me starts getting a lot more stressful is, I plan my days, I plan my weeks, and I, I have clearly defined goals, you know, short-term and long-term. Do you have a system that you use or anybody's method, one that you stuck with, or is it just something that's evolved for you over time? Yep. So it's it's a little bit of everything. You know, I'm constantly adapting it, but um, but I love to use Asana, which is a, um, mm -hmm. you know, a to-do list system that I could, you know, build out as far as I want. And I love putting all the details in there and just emptying my brain so I'm not carrying, you know, the stress of the world and my work on my shoulders all the time. And um, I also, I love to time block. So I'm really big on the Pomodoro technique, which is uh, 25 minutes of work, five minutes of whatever you want to do, 25 minutes of work, five minutes of just a break. And, and that really helps me define what I need to do in a day and make sure I get it done. Pomodoro technique. I'm going to look this up. I don't know that one. I'm going to link it. All right, so give me a habit that you'd like to improve or you wish you have added that you're just putting off for whatever reason. Hmm, a habit I wish I could do. So, well, um, I mean, do you have exercise? <laughs> do you read? Do you meditate? Do you want to, you know, pick flowers? I mean, what is it that you would like? Ride your bicycle? You know, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, um, you know, being such a, um, you know, a, a strong 
you know, worker and having such a strong work ethic, I definitely um, put my family first and I put myself last a lot. So, um, hmm. so I definitely go through waves of, you know, wanting to spend a little more time on myself, you know, whether it's working out, meditating, reading. So, uh, but I go through waves of doing it, you know, now it's Q4. So, uh, I'm back at the bottom of the list, but as soon as January hits, I will, uh, definitely be back to meditating, reading and, and de-stressing a bit from the Q4. <laughs> I love the uh, guys who take like 20 days vacation uh, right in January. I'm always like, man, that's the dude. He gets it. Uh, he <laughs> yeah. gets it. He killed it. <laughs> And he takes his family and takes them to levels. Okay, so let me ask you this, because there's a follow-up question. You're going to guess what it is. So what matters to you? So you've got a, a wife and a couple of kids, a couple of employees, other businesses. What really matters to you? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's really family. Mm. You know, it's um, my kids, my um, my wife. I mean, you know, growing up, you know, my parents, like I said, you know, came here from Italy. And, um, you know, at times we only had each other. You know, my father worked a lot. Um, my mother worked. So, um, you know, the time we spent together was very valuable. And um, are you still tight with them? Extremely tight. You know, mm-hmm. Sunday dinners and my brother and sister come down with the kids. And um, I married a Sicilian dude. I get it. Oh, you get it. You get it. <laughs> I get it. All right. Well, what have you figured out that doesn't matter to you? Right? You know, at this whopping, you're, mid, not, you're not middle aged yet. You're, uh, you're gaining above, uh, you don't know how to call it. Uh, you're, you're getting there. You're a third of the way in. You're stretching. What have you figured out that really just doesn't matter? Oh, well, you know, trying to, uh, trying to please everybody and trying to do everything you want. And, uh, you know, putting the blinders on to, to really do what's going to make you feel satisfied versus, you know, trying to please everybody around you and, um, and, and not thinking about yourself a little bit. When you do get off track, so you use a sauna, and I, was, I think my, my son, they're not using a sauna, they're using Trello, right? Him and his wife. I mean, he's literally in the grocery store, so oh, the list just changed, we need to add this. I'm like, how? She added something <laughs> to Trello. It is a ritual, it is discipline, it is organized. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not that organized. They have, and they're about your age, a little younger than you actually. Um, and But that, that keeps them on track. What do you do when you do derail because you have to derail right i mean i'm sure there's a time when you just you know you end up eating the whole bag of chips or a half gallon of ice cream what what is it that you do to get back on track well you know it definitely um you know i, I like to keep my speedometer pinned at 100 miles per hour and uh, hmm. the engine can't run at 100 forever it will break eventually so uh so you know when i fall off or have an off day i'll usually pretty much a lot of times go back to paper and um yeah, i'll really cool dump my brain and try to really just figure out where I'm trying to go, what I'm trying to do. And uh, I actually go to YouTube a lot and just put in, you know, inspirational speech or something like that. And, and, and I love to just hear others, you know, talk um, inspiring and, and it helps me get back on track mentally. It's like a perspective thing, right? Yep. Absolutely. Mm. When you think about, you know, when you've had success, when, you know, you remember that moment when you were like, okay, I got this, right? Do you remember that? Absolutely. What do you think was it that pushed you over the edge right there to get you? Because a lot of people, they get to that point, right? The acres and diamonds move, right? Where they're, they're picking, picking, picking. Oh man, I can't make, I got to get out of this hole. And yet the diamond was right, you know, one pick X away, right? One swing. What did you do that pushed you over? You know, just, just kept with what I thought in my gut, you know, at the end of the day was, was true and real. And I thought it was going to work out. 
And, um, you know, I've always been one to try to under promise and over deliver. And, you know, I try to keep that premise with myself too. And, and that, that at times where I think something's not going to work has, has helped me, you know, put that extra swing in or, you know, work late that extra night just to try to get to the end. So pushing through, even though it was hard, I'm sure you had to hit the wall like everybody else does, just pushing through and pushing over. Yep. And just, just not being afraid to kind of trust in yourself sometimes. And, and it's okay to fail. You know, I've, uh, I've been fortunate enough to have lots of successes, but you know, I have my failure stories too. So, um, you know, but it doesn't break. It only makes you stronger for sure. And you mentioned fear. Is there fear? Do you have a fear about this business or any of the uh, businesses you're involved in? Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, Amazon, you know, they, uh, the game changes rapidly, you know, whether you're mm-hmm. playing That's it sure. right, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, or you're, you're kind of being sly. And, um, so, so I look at as Amazon as, you know, one of those amazing opportunities ever. Um, but I definitely see it as something that, um, should be one part of an overall strategy, you know, is an evolution of, you know, where a brand may go or a product may go. And, uh, um, you know, there's some brands that may never come off of Amazon, but, Every single product I have has a potential to go beyond just Amazon. Oh, that's good. So you're sitting there now, um, and I think this is another executive level pro tip. You have X number of SKUs. How many SKUs do you have? Some of my product is um, is seasonal, so I hover, you know, anywhere between fifteen and twenty five SKUs. Okay, so it's manageable what you're describing. Yep. So. What you're saying early on in the conversation was, hey, I'm working on those products, can finding a better way, always trying to find a way to keep costs down, get it done right, get the quality right, all that kind of jazz. The other thing that having only 15 or 20 SKUs allows you to do is now you get to work on what else can they be, right? Because ultimately, if you have, uh, you know, think of... uh, Think of somebody who has invented one item and yet it had multiple uses, right? Or multiple applications. You don't have to have a thousand products, right? You can just have one amazing product and do everything you can to get all the utility out of it. I guess that's where I'm going with it. And so again, because you've been able to work on the business, well, what kind of hours are you working a day, Frankie? Um, You know, I'm a, I play Mr. Mom in the morning. My wife works. So I, I wake up, I get my girls dressed, fed, dropped off at school. And, uh, you know, the beauty is I don't have a time to start work. So just awesome. real, no stress. It's, it's literally the best part of my day. Uh, but you know, I mean, try to be at my desk by like nine 30 and, um, you know, I and usually, this is outside of the house. Uh, you know, I actually, I have an office set up, um, at my parents, which is down the street from my house, which is kind okay. of funny. I, um, I've had offices all over town and, um, you know, there was a time way back where, you know, the internet kind of work mindset, wasn't as mom public. makes you lunch. Mom makes you lunch, doesn't she? No, she she's actually out of the house, but my uh-huh. wife does. My wife oh, does. Oh, <laughs> nice, dude, dude. That's a life. <laughs> but but you know, I, I get to see my parents every day, and um, you know, I'm I'm home with the dinner table every night, which is you know one of the most important things I think for my family right now is just to be home as a family and eat at the table like I was able to do with my family, and uh, it's just one of my rules. I'm home for dinner every single night. Your girls get to see your parents a lot. Yes. Dude, that's so big. I mean, that's huge to have that relationship. Um, oh, nobody does that anymore. But that's a trade-off, right? You've got a, you know, I'm sure there are times you don't want to be there, but you, you know, Sunday dinner, Sunday dinner, Steve, right? That's got to be there. So, so there are trade-offs to that. But boy, the other side of it's amazing. 
Yeah, it's, it, it really is. And, you know, just to see the relationship my kids have with my parents is, is just incredible. You know, and my in-laws, it's, uh, you know, they have their own little jokes and, and, and they just, you know, we could drop them off there and, and they just adore them and, and they love it, you know, back and forth. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's just a, it's a two-way relation between them and, and they're just kids, but it's just so great to watch. You know, thinking about, you know, you're in a lot of groups, you go to a lot of meetings or meetups and stuff, you see a lot of this stuff. I want to start giving some advice, you know, for people who are sitting here saying, man, this is the kind of life I want to design. Wait, I get to be with my kids. I, I think of Leron's the same way. He takes his daughter every single day or Matt Cartlett, the same thing. It is dad and daughters is so cool. I mean, dad and son's amazing. I only have boys, but dad and daughters, oh my God, you know, to be able to be the big part of that life, you're developing young ladies. I mean, it's a very important thing. Um, they want to design that life too, right? Help us start to understand advice you would give people who are you know, just right now grinding away, right? Because they're grinding away. And my advice is to keep grinding away. This is Q4, make your money. Please make your money. But this is a chance, almost a rebirth January is, isn't it? Absolutely. It's a fresh start for sure every single year. So what would you advise people to start thinking about different if they wanted to design a life kind of similar to what you're describing, where basically you don't have to punch a clock, you don't have to go, 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 store to store or whatever. You know what I mean? Because I think that's where a lot of people get burned out because you got burned out in this and you got rid of your warehouse, right? Because you didn't want to do all that. You want something had to give. Yep. Absolutely. So, so help us get some advice for people to get more going. You know, I, I think it, a lot comes back down to kind of like that planning and having those goals. Um, you know, goals, meaning, you know, big picture goals, really big goals and really small goals. You know, I think the problem people make is they make huge goals and, and you you give fail. us an example. Give us an example of a big picture goal and a really little goal. Um, you know, like a big picture goal might be to uh, have a product that, you know, does $20,000 a month in itself. Okay. Um, you know, a small goal may be, you know, find three really good ideas that have that potential and, you know, push it to the next step. Get this, you know, the samples, pick the product and, and study how to get it to that level versus, you know, just seeing the big picture and setting yourself up to potentially fail. So your advice is, yeah, have that big goal, but then break it down into smaller parts and then celebrate those small wins. Because, I mean, I agree, if you could find three products that have that potential, even if they don't pan out, that's a pretty big deal. You found something that has the potential. And for whatever reason, you can't be successful at it, but at least you found it. That's a big accomplishment. Yep. And, and, you know, uh, as well to, you know, I, I think sometimes in the world of, you know, virtual assistants and hiring people, you know, I think people lose track of sometimes mm. you, in the beginning, you have to do the hard work, you know, um, sometimes the time it takes you to explain how to do a task to somebody, you could have done it yourself and, and known it had got done right. So, um, not to say you shouldn't be thinking, you know, in that direction, but, I think in the beginning, nobody should be afraid to get their, their hands dirty, you know, and, and really dig into what needs to be done so, so they can do it to their best ability and then pass it along and teach someone how to do it the right way, you know, not just the way they think it needs to be done. Right. Now, your fulfillment company wouldn't be doing the way you wanted had you not taken the time to break it down and put it in writing and give them, you know, diagrams and all that kind of jazz, right? I mean, that took, but you had to know how to do that, right? You just can't say, hey, you know, Bob, you know, tell me how you do this thing and I'll, I'll j jot it down. You had to go physically do it, right? I mean, get walk the walk again. 
Yep, absolutely. You know, get your hands dirty, figure out, you know, what works, what works the best, what's most efficient, you know, what cuts down on time. And, you know, that's all going to really in, you know, when you're paying someone to do a job, because if they're doing it in an inefficient way, it's going to take them more time, it's going to cost you more money. So uh, by doing it yourself, you figure out the real way to do it. And then you could teach someone how to do it efficiently. Well, the other thing, just by coming up with this, almost an SOP, right, a standard operating procedure, by doing that, you're going to see the touch points and different things. And you're going to sit there and say, ooh, could I improve on this, right? Because if you're doing it and it's becoming laborious, imagine having others do it, right? That's not going to get magically easier, right? So if you could figure out and get it tweaked to the optimal way, then it's a lot more fit. And it's going to be lower costs, right? I mean, one of the ways you've managed your costs is by making it almost foolproof the way you described it by having the right size box and having all that stuff in your control. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, in terms of being efficient, you know, there've been times where, um, you know, they've said to me, we don't know if that's the right way to do it. You know, let's try it a different way and see what's better. And, um, you know, there may have been times where they thought something else was maybe a little better. Uh, but ultimately, I've had them come back actually to some of my processes, and um, ultimately they are more efficient uh, just because I've I've done them so much, and hmm. you know I'm a stickler for detail basically. <laughs> is it is it fresh perspective though that they have too because they have other products? Is that helpful that their perspective? Yep, definitely. You know, sometimes they might have like a piece of machinery or some way to organize things that I just never had access to. And, right. you know, then what I thought was efficient is only half as efficient as they can do, you know, with that equipment. So that's happened a couple of times as well, which has been, you know, amazing because, you know, now there's more profit on the table basically for me. How about this? Are they part of the team? I mean, are you able to you know, sit down and have a conversation like, hey, Steve, I'm bringing this product in. There's 15 pieces, you know, this kind of thing. Uh, what do you think? And then you go back and design it the way you want. Uh, I mean, have you modified products based on feedback from them? Is it that kind of a partnership that you can get from a fulfillment company? Definitely. You know, one of the um, the warehouse owners, you know, he's almost become a mentor to me. Um, you know, he has so much cool. pro product experience, you know. He'll say to me, you know, you know, this size is you know, not conventional. Maybe you want to do it in this size. You could pack it better. We don't have to, you know, buy them from a custom. We could buy them off the shelf, you know, maybe packaging. So, um, so it's definitely helped me in a lot, a lot of ways. Hmm. Okay. So we got our planning, right? We got our big goals. We got our little goals. What's the next step that somebody can do? Oh, well, you know, um, let me think here. Is it pull the trigger, take a chance? Is it, is it, you know, test, test, test? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think you can only learn for so long. So, you know, I, I suggest people be very calculated with their risks, but you can't let that cripple you and never make a move. You know, if you, if you've been watching, you know, YouTube videos, maybe you've been, you know, watching, like you said, Liron and Andy, you know, those guys are always posting so much value. Um, you know, eventually you need to just jump in and make the move. So, you know, don't let your fear cripple you, um, but try to be calculated you know, try to make sure the numbers seem to work, you know, maybe ask somebody else if it seems like it's an idea um, that's going to be, you know, grow legs and, uh, and then just go at it and, and learn from the process, you know, whether it works or doesn't. Oh, well, you had said that not everything you've done has been successful. So there have been learnings along the way. And the good news is, um, you know, 
you uh, and you have a warehouse. So somebody else says we have our own warehouse, so we don't send in all our inventory at one shot. So you can fix it, right? It, this went in and this happened. Oh, let me fix this, and we can. You can still go along. It's almost like, you know, stages, and you can get better at it. Okay, so when I think about where you are, right, where you've come from, and where mm-hmm. you are, you've got to be very pleased. But it's not didn't happen by magic and unicorns, right? This has been very intentional. Um, where do you think you're going next? I mean, where where would be a great place if uh, a year from now I had Frankie back on, we would say, I made it? Well, I, um, you know, I've, I, I never want to stop doing what I'm doing. So my hope is to, you know, maybe have my product count, you know, up by 50%, have a lot oh, wow. more products built. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to grow some other you know, revenue streams right now in other areas online that seem to be working. Um, you know, something I'd love to do is uh, I'm definitely a teacher by nature. Um, you know, on Facebook, I try to post and I try to help people and I'm constantly trying to add value. And, um, you know, I, I just have been there a lot and, um, you know, I, I'm constantly searching for mentors that are above me and uh, it's hard to find good advice. So uh, I'd love to even just have a blog or a YouTube channel and, and be adding value, you know, no matter what it is, just putting something out there um, just to teach and, and, and get some of the learnings I've learned, you know, out to other people. Would, is your advice to uh, somebody who's saying, hey, you know, I have this job or I work in this other business and I want to do this, too. This sounds very attractive to me. You know, do you I mean you obviously you have multiple businesses so you're able to operate kind of simultaneous because you're intentional about what you're doing the pieces you like what's your advice for people who are thinking about that do they quit their job do they quit their other business what what what's the common sense advice that you would give well you know i would say um you know don't quit right away i would say you know put in the hard work and get you know if it's an amazon product you know at nighttime work hard push through try to you know, turn big success before you actually leave, you know, your, your steady income. Mm. You know, I mentioned I'm calculated, you know, if you have kids, if you have bills, you know, none of that stuff is going to stop uh, just because, uh, you know, Amazon isn't doing good. It's all going to need you. So just life be happens calculated. no matter what, right? <laughs> no matter Absolutely. what it does, especially with two little girls, life happens a lot. I'm sure. Absolutely. You know, so it's just okay. being calculated, you know, love it, dude, you're killing it. You know, it's so inspiring, though. I just love a, I love the positivity in your voice. I love the fact that you can just do this. I mean, there's no chance that you're going to not be successful, correct? Yeah, I mean... I'm not saying you won't stumble. Everybody stumbles. Everybody makes mistakes, all that kind of jazz. I'm talking about real success. Yeah, if you're, if you're willing to put the hard work in, you're typically rewarded. Mm, love it. Somebody has a follow-up question. What's the best way to get in touch with you, Frankie? Um, right now is pretty much just Facebook. Okay. I, um, I, I don't do a great job of marketing myself in any way, uh, but I am on Facebook and, uh, and I, and I like to help people. So, um, my time is slim, but, um, if there's questions I could answer, I'd be happy to help people. He always answers. I mean, do you send him a note? I'm always like, man, that dude's right on it always. And so I'll put <laughs> your, uh, your, uh, Facebook contact. Amazing story. I'm so, I mean, it's just so cool to sit back and watch somebody, A, be so positive, be so intentional, and then get the results. Magically, they happen because you've done the work, you've planned, you've planned, you've executed. Love it, love it, love it. Dude, thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success. Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate you having me on. 
Another great interview with a great guy, man, I'm telling you, he's just, he's just killing it, but he's doing it on his terms. I know he used that a lot, but I love the fact that he knows that. And again, his family is number one. He really has it figured out. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.